Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Arms out wide. If we're gonna fear, we fear no evil. We will rise. By your power, we will go. By your spirit, we are bold. If we're gonna stand, we stand as giants. If we're gonna walk, we walk as lions. Well, top of the morning on this Monday. No, I am not Carmen. I am Paul, usually the faithful producer. This week, I'll be the host because Carmen is out this week. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Ben Holson, thank you for uh, filling in on the board at the controls so I can be on this side trying to concentrate on talking. That's, you know, I, I'm not really good at walking and chewing gum at the same time, so this works out great. Now, you just heard it a few moments ago, hopefully, but if not, You're growing your faith verse for today is Proverbs 22, verse 2. The rich and the poor have this in common. Common, that is. The Lord made them both. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it odd here in the book of Proverbs that this proverb, you know, remember, the book of Proverbs, it's a book of wisdom. It's a book that helps you skillfully live. And a lot of the Proverbs tend to be very action-oriented. Do these things. Don't do these things. Here, this is just kind of a statement of a of high principle. But let's think through this together, because if you dig into this principle, it will lead you to living wisely in so many ways, especially in this fallen world where there's a tendency to dehumanize other people, often by categorizing people and to, to differentiate them unnecessarily. Now, in ancient Israel, a huge divide among the people of God was the rich and the poor. And to be honest, God recognized this in his law when he put it down because he wanted to prevent the poor from being exploited. Still, the poor could and were objectified by the rich and were often abused. You'll find that in many of the stories of some of the kings of Israel. It was a struggle then. It's a struggle now. It's a struggle in our churches, and it's not just a differentiation between the rich and the poor. I was reading a book, actually, I'm in the process of reading a book by a Haitian theologian. His name is Dememno Elise, and it's called Authentic Engagement. And this past week, I came across this statement. The disjunctions take on different shapes and forms in different parts of the world. No place seems to be spared from it. For instance, in parts of the Caribbean where he and his wife are from, The dominant factor of separation is social status, social polarities between the elite and the masses, the the haves and the haves not, the peasants and the urban. In other settings, such as parts of Africa, the divide is tribal. Think about the bloodbath that took place among Hutus and Tutsis in Christian Rwanda at the end of the 20th century. It's a painful illustration of this inconvenient truth. Still in other places, such as the United States... There seems to be insurmountable roadblocks that are erected in Christian unity based on race and politics. Here, race and ethnic and ethnicity function as conveyors of ecclesial or church identity, and political and ideological affiliation for many mark a mark of genuine faith. Now, in short, we look more like the outside world, which is already torn apart with many of these issues that divide. But the church, the people of the coming kingdom of God, purchased by Jesus, and the sacrifice of him on the cross are called to something different. 
God, through Solomon, calls us to remember that we are all created by God, that we bear the image of God. The rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord has made them both. Okay, that image has been marred by the fall. We got that. But God, through Jesus, made reconciliation and restoration possible. Paul celebrates this truth when he calls us to something deeper in Ephesians. Now, in Christ Jesus, you who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ, for he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing walls of hostility by abolishing the laws of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace and might reconcile both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Part of why Jesus came was to restore humanity's image of God, to destroy the power of sin over us, to bring us back together. So what is our response? And this gets back to the issue that we started with with Solomon, how this principle, the rich and the poor have this in common. The Lord has made them both. How do we live that out? We live counter to the sin that divides. We, so far as it depends on us, live at peace with all, as Paul says in Romans, yes. But further, as James in his epistle calls us to do, especially in the church, my brothers, show no partiality as you hold the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Lord of glory. For if a man wears a gold ring and a fine clothing and comes into your assembly and a poor man in shabby clothes comes in, And if you pay attention to the one wearing the fine clothes saying, Oh, you, hey, sit in the good place. Well, you say to the poor man, You stand over there or go sit at my feet. Have you not made a distinction among yourselves and become judges with evil thoughts? Goes on saying, Listen, my beloved brothers, has not God chosen those who are poor in the world to be rich in faith and heirs of the kingdom, which he has promised to those who love him? But you have dishonored the poor man. Let us be those who honor people as image bearers of God. And for those redeemed, rich and poor, for those who are from those of our tribe, those outside our tribe, or whatever the divide, remember that we have been bought at a very high cost. So let's value each other accordingly. That will bear much fruit, hopefully the spiritual fruit of love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, May you bear those at work today. But maybe you're saying, what? Peace, joy, love, kindness at work? The only way to survive in my workplace is to be cutthroat, less kind, more self-serving. But is that what God calls us to? Dave Bearing joins me in about one minute to talk about bearing the fruit of the Spirit in the workplace. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to work we go. Okay, maybe you don't feel like singing like happy Doc Sneezy and the others as you get ready to head off to work this morning. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen here on Faith Radio, and maybe in your mind, it's a job that you're going to because it's a paycheck. You you need to do things like, you know, eat. Uh, you need to have a roof over your head. Maybe you want some money to do fun things. and Oh, yes, to contribute to the things like church where real ministry happens. We need to talk about this, and to help us look at our work and our, the gift of the Spirit in the workplace is Dave Buring from Lineshare, one of our regular guests. Hey, Dave, thanks for joining us this morning. Good morning, Paul. Glad to be with you. Okay, I, I kind of laid out a picture here of 
work being this necessary evil. But as we look at that, no, 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 no. We really need to readjust our perspective on work because it is part of God's creational plan for us, even from the beginning. Yeah, you're exactly right. And uh, somehow I think we have this image that the end game is we're in heaven and just kind of laying around. And the Bible actually gives us I'm not us some a good harp player, I will tell you that right now. <laughs> yeah, that's right. And the wings might not look real good on you either. Oh, okay. But but it's going to be it's going to be this place where yes, there's going to be rest and refreshment because we're with each other and the Lord, but it also seems like there may be activities, there may be work, there may be things that we're doing. So you're right, right from Genesis 1 and 2, we see God putting Adam to work. He gave him a garden to tend. And so work is meant to be a very healthy part of what we do. The The problem is, is oftentimes we can put too much of our identity into it, or we can swing to the other side and not value it at all. So glad we get to have a conversation about all this. Yes, I am too. And so that brings us, since it was God's plan, and actually we see him, Genesis 1, working. And it yeah. was good. And what he made yes. was good. And he, he calls us into that. And he calls us to do it in a particular way. And that's where we want to talk about the fruit of the Spirit. I saw this quote from Matt Purim. He said, It's easy to think of the fruit of the Spirit and other Christian virtues as applying to some abstract realm rather than being the character qualities we are to manifest every day in all areas of life, which includes our work. Now, some might say, Wait, I wouldn't survive in my workplace if I, you know, exhibited love, joy, peace. We'll get to all those, or hopefully. But. Doesn't God care for my job? I, I mean, if I do this, I, I might not last or I might not advance. Uh, okay, let's talk about that first, because does yeah. God care for our jobs? He does indeed. And I think one of the things that's important for us to recognize is that there's wirings, if I can use the phrase that way, wirings that God has put in us that lend themselves to certain vocations. And I think oftentimes we short circuit maybe some of God's wiring in us by just saying, okay, hey, this job sounds really good to me, or hey, I don't have to work quite as hard here, or the money's great here. And we we jump into roles in society through our vocations where we've maybe never paused to take a look at how God wants to express himself through our lives and how he's wired us. I find, Paul, that the closer our day-to-day workplace can be connected to how God has wired us with our personalities and our gifts and our skills and that kind of thing, the fruit of the Spirit tend to flow a little bit better in our life. (laughs) There is that, I will admit, when things are going smooth, even though sometimes they don't. And that's no excuse for not exhibiting the fruit of the Spirit. Now, as we look at the fruit of the Spirit and, you know, the love, the joy, peace, patience, or forbearance, depending on your translation, kindness, gentleness, goodness, self-control, um, I, I want us to go through those. Now, these aren't separate fruits. Mm-hmm. Um, That's right. These, this is kind of a package deal uh, yeah. uh, about what God has put by the Spirit into us or wants us to exhibit in our workplace. So I don't know if we'll get through all of them, all these different aspects, but maybe we can start with one right now, and then after the break, we'll do maybe a few more. But exhibiting love in the workplace, how Mm -hmm. would you see that manifesting itself as a person goes to work today? How can I exhibit this aspect of the fruit of the Spirit, love? Yeah, and I think it's it's important to note, Paul, that if it's the fruit of the Spirit, it also means, like, here's the way I measured in my life is the Spirit's presence in my life 
is measured by some of these fruit. Mm-hmm. It's like, so in other words, if I'm just moving in the flesh, it's not there. Oh, and it's a way point. to remind remind me of that. So I think to demonstrate love, like one of my favorite practical definitions of love is choosing somebody else's highest good. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think if you go into the workplace and you're there day to day, I mean, that could look look so many different ways from maybe them needing a word of encouragement or affirmation. It could be an expression of love that you see they're overwhelmed and you kind of finished a lot of what you needed to do. And you kind of go get your shoulder up underneath theirs to give them a hand to finish their load for the day. You know, there's all kinds of ways that we can express love. Um, I think relating well to people around us so that you know, you're not the person who loves Jesus, but's on the job. And everybody's kind of like, yeah, just kind of stay away from them. They're kind of crabby. They get cranky. They're just very, very inward about what they do. I think love is a giving thing. God so loved the world that he gave. So I think a way we can express it at work is looking for ways to give what we have to others. Mm. All right, again, talking with Dave Buring from LineShare, as we often do here on, on the morning show, here on Mornings with Carmen. As we continue, we'll look at more of the uh, fruit of the Spirit and how to bring that into the workplace. Yeah, it's not a scary thing, and it is something that, well, it will be evangelistic, but it definitely is kingdom building. But we'll continue this mm-hmm. conversation in just a moment here on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show featured on the Faith Radio Network. There is a lot going on at Faith Radio, tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share at MyFaithRadio.com. My guess is you spend a fair amount of time on social media. So where do you spend your time? Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, YouTube? Well, have you followed or liked Faith Radio on those platforms? I would invite you to do so. I'm there as well. If you want to check out uh, my personal pages, you could connect with me individually. We would love to have you uh, use the resources that we have produced and are creating and posting on social media for you to share with others. We got all kinds of stuff from graphics to, you know, Bible verses. I don't know. There's all kinds of stuff. Go check it out on your social media. Connect with us on Faith Radio social media. And, you know, let's get the word out to others. All right. Back to the show. Again, thanks for listening. Love connecting with you at MyFaithRadio.com. Well, again, good Monday morning. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen this week here on Mornings with Carmen. And again, we continue talking about the fruit of the Spirit in the workplace with Dave Buring from Lion's Share. And we were looking at the aspect of the fruit, and again, I'm talking. I, I, when I see the fruit of the spirit, it's a package deal. It's not. Oh, I have the. Mm-hmm. I have the fruit of love, and I have the fruit of goodness, mm-hmm. but I don't have the fruit of. No, 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 no. It's it's a package deal because this is mm-hmm. this is the spirit working in our lives. It's the outgrowth, and if the spirit's working in our lives, how might we see joy, Dave? The the next aspect on the list, living itself out in our workplace. Yeah, I think one of the most obvious ways for me is when people are walking through um, various kinds of difficulties and challenges and not not the obnoxious, you know, everybody's kind of feeling down and discouraged and you just come in there loud. I don't mean that, but I mean, just kind of that peaceful inner joy that becomes infectious, that can spill over on other people that, you know, when when they've had a tough day or the client didn't respond as they hope, or the patient was cramp, crabby or whatever, that there's a 
there's this little joyous response of coming alongside and say, hey, man, I'm with you. I know it's a tough day, but I'm with you. We'll get through this. It's so it, it can often find expression in encouragement. And, and I like that word, Paul, because it like discouragement means the removal of courage. Right. Where right. encouragement is the imparting of courage. And I think I think joy does that. It in, it imparts courage to people and lets them look at something different and move on. Okay, and as we continue, Dave, through these different aspects of the Spirit, I'm going to paste two of them together, because a lot of people will say, peace and and having patience. Actually, maybe we'll just throw Mm -hmm. kindness in there Mm -hmm. as well, because maybe they are in a workplace. That's where God has them right now, and it is not a peaceful place. There's a lot of angst. There's there's just a lot of tension. But that doesn't mean we have to be burned up by that, because we have the Spirit. Yeah, exactly. And and again, it's the evident of the Spirit of God working in our lives. I find sometimes when peace starts slipping away from me, I'm getting my eyes off where they need to be, and I need to just pause. Sometimes it might be just stand up, take a little bit of break, and recalibrate, because the Lord wants us to operate out of peace. Now, that doesn't mean our circumstances are peaceful, but it means within, we're letting the Holy Spirit lead and guide us in peace. And that is certainly something, Paul, that uh, in the day we're living in can be such a big imparting place, influencing pace, place, is just by you being peaceful and being around other people, It it's one of those things that rubs off. So I think in the workplace, when there is stuff happening where there's challenges and, and there's a lack of peace, it's connecting to the Prince of Peace and saying, God, would you be big in me that you might be big through me? Hmm. And let's go from there to the patience and forbearance, because I was thinking about Daniel as you were talking. And, okay, here's a guy. He, he didn't have a choice of where he really was working. Either you did what the king said or else. And, yes. and there were those who were out to get him in his workplace. And yet mm-hmm. he didn't see him lashing out. He had a patience. He had a forbearance. He had a kindness. Uh, to live that way by the Spirit in our our workplaces? Mm -hmm. Yeah, and patience is one of those things that gets tested really well, especially when it's a co-worker that whatever the issue is that irritates you (laughs) happens to be located right next door. You get sent on a trip with them, and over and over and over, that thing just presses that button. And, And again, we need the Holy Spirit to function in and through our lives to really exercise patience. To do it on our own is is about impossible. And I think whether it's patience with a coworker, maybe it's patience with a promotion because mm-hmm. we can see our need and we need a raise. And if we don't get this, we can't get into the house. And, and there's all that stuff. And this is where we have to come back to realizing God has not forgotten us. It's on his timetable. And so am I functioning out of his timetable or am I trying to force him into mine? And I find in a practical level, um, Paul, that that's where patience can be expressed, that people recognize there's not a striving, but there is a peace that is expressed in patience. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm going back to Daniel. Uh, you look at his long career serving all these different kings. He had times of ascendancy, times where he was just kind of in, on the back burner. Um, and then God brought him back to some place of yeah. prominence. I mean, it wasn't always about advancing his kingdom. He was waiting on God's timing, and God did amazing things through him. Um, which brings us to an issue of self-control. I mean, some people could try and force their way into a situation mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. or just 
go half cocked someplace where they really shouldn't. Again, this is this is where again trusting in God and allowing His Spirit to move makes a difference. Uh, talk about that. Yeah, it, I'll tell you, Paul. It's a it's a really uncomfortable and bad feeling when you know that you have landed yourself in a place where you wanted to be versus knowing that God put you there. Mm. And, and it's, it's one of those things as followers of Jesus, where, you know, Proverbs three, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. And it's a, there's times with self-control. And again, why do we need the fruit of the spirit? Why is this one of them? Because left to ourselves, it's very difficult to walk in self-control and so this is where we're relying on and leaning on the Holy Spirit in us, learning to listen to, th- to things he's giving us, maybe little prompts or cues or times to be quiet or times to speak up. But I think self-control and self-governing, if we want to kind of broaden it, is really important in the world today. Uh, people watch and see, you know, do we have flashes of anger? You know, is there... Um, attitudes that we carry into the workplace that impact other people that maybe it's something that's happening at home and you need to as you walk into the job maybe from the car to the front door it is a time of just giving everything that's going on that's challenging at home there so that you can walk in self-control where he's got you for the day so i'm grateful in my life for the holy spirit in this area because i i really need his help as well yeah we're talking with david Buring about the Fruit of the Spirit in the Workplace. I'm Paul filling in for Carmen, as I do sometimes. And back in June, I, I filled in for a week and had an opportunity, uh, uh, Dave, to talk to Jonathan Cruz, who has a book out called The Character of Christ, The Fruit of the Spirit in the mm. Life of Our Savior, where he showed that that Jesus lived out the very mm. fruit we're called to, you know, the fruit of the Spirit. Well, it's not just a, it's not just a spirit thing. It's a Jesus-y thing, too. It's, it's mm-hmm. Jesus' way. It's the kingdom way. And as we're winding down this conversation, I want you to talk about how you see this as living out that part of the Lord's Prayer, your kingdom come. Because Jesus, mm. the reason he came was to establish his kingdom. So if we're praying, hey, Lord, your kingdom come, that should happen through us in our workplace. Yes, exactly. And I think that's always the bigger picture, Paul, that we have to pause and look at is like when you get up in the morning, do we ever um, pause or do we make it a habit maybe to pause and go, okay, Jesus, as I'm getting dressed, eating, getting ready to go, maybe having your time alone with him in the morning, God, would you prepare my heart so that I can cooperate in how you want to advance your kingdom through my life today? And that can be through a relationship. It can be through kindness. The various expressions of these fruit we're talking about can be through quietly praying. It might actually be praying for somebody on the job. And there's a lot of ways to express it. But um, I think there's a bullseye that oftentimes we miss. And that is that the reason we're still here, like why didn't Jesus just take us if he loves us so much and we gave our lives to him? It's because there's there's a mission that he still has, and we are part of his kingdom team. And the way that we live our lives through our character, through the expression of the fruit of the Spirit, and our obedience to Jesus allows that kingdom to be advanced through us, whether it's in our family life, with our friends, on the job. So it's a good point you're making. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So let it begin with me, with my family, with my workplace, wherever God has me. So, hey, David, thank you again for joining us. Lionshare.org, is it? 
That's right, mindshare.org. Again, we we encourage you to check it out. Great discipleship uh, tools as well as – you have a great podcast too. I've been listening to portions of it, and again, very convicting, but in a good way as we seek to to live out our lives to be disciples of Jesus in the world. So again, Dave, thanks for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks, Paul. Have a great day. Again, Mornings with Carmen. Let's take a moment for Upwards with Max Lucado. Again, good Monday morning. Mornings with Carmen. I'm Paul filling in this week here on Faith Radio as Carmen takes some time off. And she's leaving when when it's going to be a really busy week. Of course, later this week, several Republican candidates for president will be gathering in the dairy state in Wisconsin for the first televised debate on Fox News. And if you watch it, there's going to be one difference this news cycle around or this presidential cycle compared to last. Fox News is getting rid of the doorbell sound it used during the debates last last time around when speakers the speaker's time was up. Why the change? Well, four years ago, they got a lot of complaints from dog owners because the doorbell was causing the dogs to go bonkers. Somebody's at the door. It's a you know how dogs are, but yeah, on the, that's on the lighter side. But, you know, as we're going into this next presidential cycle, what are you hoping for? What are you praying for? Political scientist and constitutional expert Adam Carrington, who joins us regularly, I want to talk to him about what he's hoping and praying for as we head into this next election cycle. Again, I'm Paul. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. All right, here we are, a little over a year away from the 2024 election cycle, and actually, cycle, yeah, we're in the cycle. There's a lot of punditry already, positioning, and yeah, a lot of fear-mongering that's going on. So how are you, how are you praying for our nation as we head into this latest election? I'm Paul, filling in for Carmen here on Faith Radio, and joining me now, one of the calmer voices. I love talking to you, Adam, because you're one of those calmer voices when it comes to trying to understand our our political engagement as Christians uh, in our nation. So again, Adam, thanks for joining us here on Faith Radio. Always a pleasure, Paul. Thank you. I, I'm hoping we can bring some good discourse to uh, the discourse that <laughs> I think really does begin, has already begun in earnest. Yeah, and here it is. I mean, here we are over a year away from the election, our first primary presidential, you know, presidential primary debate is coming up. Now, before we actually talk about that, uh, help us back up. How, how how has our, how did we get here where we're pretty much after the midterm, really into another election cycle? How did we get here? Because it wasn't always that way in American politics to be, have, go from one cycle to the next so immediately. Yes, and I think that that has been a, an effect of uh, media is part of it, um, okay. and the and really not just media because we've always had newspapers, we've always had things like that. But that the I think the twenty four hour news cycle that just demands constant and increasing amounts of attention be paid to narrower and narrower niches that have people you know paying attention. I think that's part of it, and I think that uh, in some ways it's that government as it has expanded what it does for voters, what it does in the public sphere, and I'm not even saying whether that's good or bad in and of itself, has made it more of a focus of people's attention. There were a lot more people, and there still are a lot to do this, but even a lot more in the past who they would pay attention for a couple months. Um, 
vote and then go on with their lives. And they may pay occasional attention to politics, but it was not consuming their day-to-day life because government interactions with with uh, uh, state and local governments weren't taking up so much of their lives. So you, that that's, I think, a, a part of the story as well. Okay. So as we're heading into this uh, first round, the first Republican primary debate, how are we, how do you feel we should be acting? Actually, maybe I should ask it this way. As as you're going into this now, you're a political science you, scientist. You study this stuff. You teach this stuff at Hillsdale. But you also, it's also part of you know your heart about as a Christian. What are you hoping for as we go into this? What is it you want to see? Well, what I want to see, and you are asking me to put on a hat slightly different than what I think what I'm saying would or I would guess yeah, would happen. Yeah, I am actually uh, because it's like. What are we called to as Christians a bit more deeply? We, we can get into the rancor or is there a way we can, because we are people of the kingdom, be above it in a certain way? Yes, we engage, right. but how do we stay above the fray and above the angst? And I'll say I think it's too much to expect it to not be partisan. It is a well, GOP debate. Uh, so what I guess what I'm saying is what I, I think what I'm about to say that I hope is is not expecting entirely unrealistic things out of human beings. We're, we're, we're going to have a tendency to be partisan to some degree and have commitments and and have disagreements. But what I would like to see in the midst of that and what I would pray for is that the Republican party debate as one of the major parties in the United States is able to focus its disagreements and its debates internally and with the Democratic Party um, first and foremost on issues more than personality, that we don't get into name-calling, that we don't get into being devoted to or opposing certain people merely because we feel some sort of um, loyalty to them uh, that, and I mean this either whether it's Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis or any of the others there, um, that it's focused on uh, the policy. It's focused on good ideas versus bad ideas, good policies versus bad policies. And that underneath that, why do they defend? How do they defend what are good policies and bad policies? And that there you at least see some reflection on the deeper questions that even if people don't admit them are always under politics. What, what are these candidates saying about the dignity and rights of human beings? What are they saying about their obligations, our obligations to our creator? Um, what are they talking about, about the way that we as a community can uh, foster self-government and love for our neighbor? And even if they're not using those exact terms, can we dig down underneath them and see a real wrestling with that kind of loving God and loving others? I mean, Jesus said that's the sum of the law. And um, while I'm not expecting them to be the equivalent of uh, believing Christians, some are, some aren't, they're going to be in this debate. Um, I'm, I'm looking for that reflection of the good that government has been placed in the world to do by God. And that, I think, is reflected in how well does it help us to love God and love our neighbor. I want to pull a strand you just said there. You're, you're talking about how government 
is created by God, or at least established, whatever, how you want to, ever want to call it, because a lot of people would not see that or understand that. Explain that. How do you, how do you see that biblically, Adam? Right. And, uh, and obviously, we, we think of our Constitution, beginning with we, the people of the United States, do ordain and establish this Constitution. And I don't think that statement, that the people have, in a way, created our government, is against what I said. Um, scripture says in, in Romans 13 that all governments are uh, established by God. Um, you see that in the histories of the, the Bible as well. And what that means is that ultimately, the God is the God of history. He is the God who ordains and establishes um, our lives and, and how our lives are lived, not just individually, but in community. And that includes the establishment of government and that God has established government to do certain goods for us to reward um, virtue, to punish vice, to protect the church so that it can propagate the gospel. And so, um, uh, that, and, and, but he works through means. Mm-hmm. So he work, has worked through the people of the United States to ordain and establish this constitution. But as much as we have a government that is humanly based on we, the people, we should never lose sight that behind any government, whether it's the gut rule of a king or a few uh, aristocrats, or the people as a whole like ours, the foundation of that, the ordainer of that is is God himself. So uh, that's what I meant by, by by that part of that comment. Yeah, I know. But Adam, again, we're talking to Adam Carrington from Hillsdale College. That That in itself, if you know God is in control of these things... How that that should really affect the way we react. Anytime we watch the news, anytime anything like that, any stuff comes up, even when we hear something we don't like, it should give us that moment of pause, shouldn't it? I think yeah, pause in 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 more than one way. It should give us pause in um in in thinking that thinking that maybe there's no good going on in politics, which can be a tendency that many can feel in the midst of the mudslinging and and rancor, that God is working his purposes out, even if they don't seem to be pretty to our own eyes uh, and marred with sin, that he will even work evil for good, as as Joseph told his brothers in in the book of Genesis. Um, The other is that we can not fear Fear is such a driver now of politics, yeah. uh, including our own. Uh, fear that um, it's the end of the world if this election doesn't go my way, or somehow that uh, fear that it, you know I, I've got to win because the other side will do X. And while I think w- uh, a certain level of concern and engagement is absolutely warranted. We should never lose that in the very background of all that, uh, God is king, and he is an almighty sovereign. He is an all-good sovereign. He is the perfect ruler that we'll never have here. And while we should hope as much as we can that our rulers could reflect his goodness, and uh, we also can take comfort that in the end, the final government is going to be the new heavens and the new earth. The end is secure, and therefore we can have a certain bit of uh, 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 assurance, even in 
our own troubled and sometimes complicated and sometimes uncertain times, the end is certain. And that should give us a hope and comfort that others may not have if politics is their religion rather than one way of living out their faith. So what you're telling me, this isn't the most important election of our lives. Well, there I'll, I'll probably I'll start off with being a little cynical, um, and that is just that I've followed <laughs> politics long enough that, and I I'm around political people enough that I have heard this election is the most important in our lifetime since I started paying attention to elections, <laughs> and that doesn't mean that some aren't more important than others or more important in in certain ways than others, but. Uh, I would be, but but in the end, the most important election in human history was God electing his people to love them and cherish them and make them a people that he would redeem and make for himself. And elections like uh, next year, while they'll carry some human importance, um, are certainly nothing compared to God's choosing of us. Mm. Adam, I love that. (laughs) That was Adam Carrington, and we'll continue talking with him in just a few minutes here. And we're going to turn our attention to, well, as we hear now, Faith Radio is part of the University of Northwestern. The students are getting ready to come back on campus, much the same as getting ready to happen at Hillsdale. As Christian colleges especially, what are we doing to educate and teach citizenship to these students. We're going to focus on that in a few minutes here. This again, Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Have you ever wondered where God is when you feel like you need him most? Do you recognize that he's closer than your next breath? Are you confident in that? Do you trust in that? Susie Larson has a brand new book, Closer Than Your Next Breath, Where Is God When You Need Him Most? And we're giving away 100 copies of it this month. So we want you to win yours at myfaithradio.com. Dot com. I want to encourage you right now that there is nothing like living in the fullness of the presence of God moment by moment. No matter what is going on, you can live as a person who is content in the presence of God. God is literally with you always, closer than your next breath. And we want you to experience that. So grab a copy of Closer Than Your Next Breath. You can sign up to win one at MyFaithRadio.com. Okay, where I'm officed here in the Mel Johnson Media Center, it's across the street from Northwestern's main gate. And this Friday, it's going to be so cool because as cars pull in with uh, families, including the freshmen who are coming in the, onto campus, there's a bunch of students out there blowing horns, cheering them on. It, it's just an amazing scene. And I've watched this for, this will be my 10th year watching it. <laughs> from the mill. It's just so fun. And Paul filling in for Carmen on Faith Radio. A new school year getting underway. Uh, do you have some similar things like that, Adam, at Hillsdale when the freshmen come on campus? Yes, we just started that. Uh, the freshmen came this weekend, although classes don't start till Wednesday. And we had what was called a freshman convocation yesterday mm. afternoon. Yeah, we where- do that too. The, the 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 parents and their and 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 the new students are uh sitting uh, uh outside and then we have um a program where we all get in our regalia those old funny outfits that you see uh, faculty wear at special events if you've ever been to especially like a graduation and we process in 
And then we hear from um, uh, incoming seniors. They give a kind of charge and encouragement to the freshmen. And then our president of our universe of our college gets up and speaks. And so it, and and uh, it really becomes a point where at that moment um, they are considered to have become officially um, members of the college and partners in the learning that we're trying to do there. And it's a pretty solemn event. There's usually a lot of tears because that's usually when the parents say their final goodbye to their 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 kids that they're dropping off. And it's very neat. And we'll be having some similar other things going on throughout the next couple of days to to get to know them and really try to uh, make this a kind of second home for them for the next few years. Yeah. You know, the way things have gone in university life over the last, well, several decades, it, there's just been a lot of confusion as to, okay, why do you have people go to a university? Not that it's the only way to do things. There's a lot of great trade schools out there. Some people can get a job right out, but some people, it's a good idea to go to a college or university, and, and in this case, a Christian university or college. Because of the purpose of what if, – let's go back in time because what was the whole idea uh, from your understanding of why universities and colleges were put together? Well, I mean universities and colleges go all the way back to the Middle Ages as uh, in the form that we kind of see them now. I mean not so much having dorms and things but um, the the model of education and the idea was that you you certainly can receive an adequate education elsewhere but it was meant to be a a sort of capstone for 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 um at least part of the population and the focus of it was really an extension of what they thought education was supposed to be all the way up and down from kindergarten on up or whatever the equivalent was in the middle ages and that was that ultimately you are two things on this earth uh, in addition to a child of god in addition to a member of of the church and that is you are a human being and you are a citizen Uh, you are a human being uh, created in the image of god with a task given by god with a dignity given by god but just because you were born that way um doesn't mean necessarily you immediately understand it or understand how to live that out in the world. Uh, Similarly, God has placed you in a particular country. So you're a citizen of a particular country with its own rights and wrongs, its own advantages and disadvantages in carrying out God's plan. And neither are you born just by being born, for example, in America. Neither then do you know exactly uh, what it means to live out that calling that God has given you. So uh, colleges and universities were really meant to be sort of a capstone to that education, to understand um, what it means to be a human, what it means to be a citizen. And we focus a lot now on jobs, getting jobs yeah. in education. And that's and that's part of it. Uh, um, uh, I think the problem with education that only focuses on getting jobs is not that it's wrong in and of itself it's just incomplete um yeah we really want need to cultivate people's souls and we really need to cultivate their hearts and their minds beyond just being able to work a particular job and that's the older view of education that even as uh, more people joined and went to college as happened in america versus say the middle ages where it was very elite and small um, that older idea of what of of, of cultivating the souls of human beings really um, continued for a long time. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I, I'm, I'm seeing a rebirth of that idea in a lot of colleges right now and universities. I feel like here, that happening here at the University of Northwestern. One of the things as we are preparing for our conversation, Adam, and again, we're talking with Adam Carrington, who is a political scientist at Hillsdale College and just a great guy, good friend of, uh, of Faith Radio. You shared a prayer that it, it's found in the Book of Common Prayer. Uh, that was shared by uh, another, you know, the president of Reformed Theological Seminary. But, you know, as we, we start out this new school year uh, in the coming days, it's a really cool prayer. And I want you to pray it and then reflect upon it, too. So would you do that, Adam? Uh, absolutely. Uh, and this is a prayer that is is pretty old, um, uh, a, a good century or more. And it says, uh, I'll read it. Um, Almighty God. We beseech thee with thy gracious favor to behold our universities, colleges, and schools, that knowledge may be increased upon us, and all good learning flourish and abound. Bless all who teach and all who learn, and grant that in humility of heart they may ever look unto thee, who are the fountain of all wisdom, through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. And I, what, what you asked to reflect a little, what I love about this prayer is I think it so succinctly not only is something you can honestly pray to God that you would like to happen, but if you really look at it, it says so much about centering our own hearts and thoughts, who are teachers or who are students, for what's the task that we're trying to do here. And it does say that we want knowledge to increase. So we are trying to teach knowing things and mm-hmm. that um, that's a good thing. Um, but that it also says, what's the posture of our learning and our knowledge? It says, grant us humility and heart because we can always tend to learn, you know, be tempted to be arrogant in what we're doing, but we need to be humble in how we learn. And what's the ultimate foundation of that learning and that knowledge it's it's God. It's it says Jesus, our Lord. We sh- yeah, we should look to Thee, which is God, which is is is, is, is particularly Jesus, as uh, as um, the fount of all wisdom. Mm-hmm. And if He is the source of all wisdom, then that gives us an ultimate direction to understand our learning. Ultimately, all of our knowledge is about God and His creation. Even if we're doing, you know, not just natural sciences, but politics yeah. or English. And then um, we should have humility in that because ultimately he is the all knowing one, not us. We are just trying to know more of and about him. Uh, may God answer that prayer for our colleges and actually for all our schools, whether to be trade schools, high schools, you name it. Hey, Adam, thanks again for joining us here on Mornings with Carmen. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me again. This is Faith Radio. Well, again, thank you for listening to Mornings with Carmen. If you're new to Faith Radio, new to Mornings with Carmen, even though Carmen's not here, text the word WELCOME to 877-933-2484. We want to welcome you on board to Faith Radio by sending you out a free welcome packet. Again, text the word WELCOME, just that word, to 877-933-2484. This is Mornings with Carmen on Faith Radio. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LeBurge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.